of July, this Sunday you are here. It's the day the Lord has made and nobody can stop you from coming. You are here. Amen. We give glory to God for this day. Amen. Amen. We thank God that you are here. We have an auntie all the way from Ghana here. Hallelujah. Amen. And I see, I see uh, the tattoo behind there. All the way from Philadelphia. Amen. God bless you. Brother Mike, have you seen a while? I see you. God bless you for God. Hallelujah. Amen. And you are also here. It's time to hear the word of God. And I know you won't waste any time. Just open your heart and get ready. Two weeks ago, he was here. He blesses mightily. And I'm, not, I'm talking about no other person than our own presiding elder from New Haven Assembly, Elder Aquada. Hallelujah. God bless you, Elder. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search through all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do I could search through eternity Lord and find there is none like you we say there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search through eternity, Lord, and find like you, church, let's sing it together. There's none like you, Lord. There's none like you. Hallelujah. No one else can touch my hand like you do. I could say, I could search through eternity, Lord, and find there was none like for the last time. There was none like you. There was none like you. can touch my heart like you do. I could say, I could say to you, 
none like unto you, God. Among the gods, there is none like unto you. You are holy. You are sovereign. God's Son be exalted. around be the God that you are always let your very name be exalted among your people in Jesus name amen amen amen, amen. hallelujah we thank God for yet another day in his presence. We are not here by accident, but we are here because it's divine assignment. Amen. If ever you see yourself in a place by accident, then which means it defiles purpose. But if you know that you are here because God has called you to be here, you do whatever it takes. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I want to take this opportunity to thank God for bringing us here once again. I want to take this opportunity to thank our district pastor and the first lady of the district. Also want to thank our presiding elder and all the able elders, my senior brother. God bless you and all presbytery. And I want to say, God bless you for coming in this presence as well. Amen. 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 Today we are going to have a service together. So tell the ones sitting on your right and left, let's talk. Oh, say it like you mean it. Tell the person, let's talk. There comes a time in Scripture, Bible says, it calls his disciples and says, come let us reason together. Which means that not every time that we come before the presence of the Lord that we have to throw words at you. But also we have to, what? Talk. And whenever we talk, we begin to reason our things. Hallelujah. So today we are in that dispensation that we want to talk. Hallelujah. Or reason among ourselves. Because if we begin to reason among ourselves, we begin to see the importance of God in our lives. Something happened two weeks ago. I was here, we prayed. And um, we had one of our deaconesses who was preached on Tuesday, you know, on Tuesday service. And in course of the Tuesday service, after she finished preaching, she asked me to lead the prayer. And I led the prayer, and I was, as I was leading the prayer, in the course of the end of the prayer, I was prompted to pray for people who are driving. To pray for people who are driving. So I just prayed. 
And not only that, but I prayed for everyone that was driving. Later did I know that that prayer was going to affect me. Last week, I went somewhere, and when I went there, I was supposed to deliver something, bring something to a place. And when I got there, I asked them to do something, but I was driving with my son, my older son. So when we got there, for some reason, when I got out of the car, he also followed. Normally, he doesn't get out of the car. But he got out and followed me. We went up to the place we chartered for like 50 minutes. So I decided to come back to the car. When I came to the car, I was about to move the car to move. But I saw that I had not knowing I left the car in drive. I left the car in drive for 15 minutes. The car was on. For 15 minutes, the car was on. The car was in drive. I had stepped out of the car. The car could have run to another car and hit, created a mass self-destruction. But I came to see the car parked where it was. I sat in the car and I moved the car. This makes me to understand that when we talk about intercession, it's very important. Because sometimes we tend to focus on ourselves, and then when we focus on ourselves, we tend to forget about everything else. But today, if not for the intercessory prayer of somebody, you and I will not be here. It took somebody who stood in the gap for us to be in his presence. So it has taken somebody's prayer to bring you to his presence. So if it's taken somebody's prayer to bring you to his presence, it's very important that we have to intercede for others. Hallelujah. Because when we begin to intercede for others, then and then God will also what? Make sure that what? Whatever we pray, it comes back to us. We are continuing the message that we started last two weeks and we are talking about Christ our intercessor. We established the fact that Christ was praying and this scripture when we read John chapter 17, it's in three dimensions. The first dimension was Christ was praying for himself. That was what we, we centered or measured on last, the last two weeks. Christ was praying for himself. And those were one of the prayers that he was praying before he went to the cross. Because after John chapter 18, you could see that after God had done, Jesus had prayed that prayer. He was now preparing himself for what? To go to the cross. So that was an intercessory prayer. And when we talk about intercessory prayer, we said that we established the fact that you are standing in the gap. You are standing in the gap. Hallelujah. You are standing in the gap. And we talked about the fact that when Jesus was praying, Bible says he lifted up his countenance. And that was a sign of what? Confidence. Hallelujah. But now when you go through 17, 6 to 19, he prayed for the disciples. But the prayer that he prayed for the disciples, he prayed for the disciples that as they are going to bring the message. The world will not find its place in them. Hallelujah. The world 
will not find their place with them because why? When the world finds their place in them, they will never believe the message. So that was a prolific prayer that Christ prayed for his disciples. That the world will not find because why? If the world finds its place in you, what happens is they don't see the difference between you and Christ. Hallelujah. They don't see the difference between you and Christ. Because why? You are a symbol of Christ on earth. A representative of Christ on earth and you must show this Christ in wherever you go. So he told them that I am praying for my disciples. But the prayer that I'm praying for them, I don't want the world to see their self or their kind in them. Because why? When they see the kind in them, it's just like you go to a place and you are going to preach at your place of work. And when they call you to go and drink or party time, you go and you party. And you do just like them. How can they receive your message? So Jesus saw the need that, listen, even though they are going to what? Go into the world. As I'm leaving them, let there be a clear distinction between the world out of them. Then he goes on to say that, listen, I don't want you to take them out of this world, but I want you to keep them in this world. Hallelujah. And that is where we ended about the disciples. But now, after that, somebody might say, oh, well, that was a prayer for Jesus. That was the prayer for the disciples. But today, we talk about the third phase. He prayed for you and I. And when we go to John chapter 17, verse 20, that is where it was. 20 to 26. He prayed for the church. He saw the need for the future. And that is why sometimes it makes me to understand that maybe before you were born, Christ had you in mind. Hallelujah. Before you were born, Christ had you in mind. When you read Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4, it says that before you were a, a clot of blood in your mother's womb, I do what? I know you. Which means Christ had you or God had you in his mind. Hallelujah. But listen, people might think that that applied to Jeremiah. But now let's extract that word and bring it to uh, John chapter 17 verse 20. John Jesus was also praying same prayer for his disciples. Hallelujah. It's very important that, listen, if not for somebody who have prayed for you, where would you have been? Now, when we go into the scripture, we could see that when we look through Mark chapter 2, 2 to 11, there is something that happened. We read the scripture every time, but Mark chapter 2, 2 to 11, we, for the sake of time, we are not going to read it, but I believe you know the scripture. It's about somebody who was paralyzed. Other verses in the layman's term is a quadriplegic. A quadriplegic person is somebody who cannot move any part of his body. I have seen that firsthand. I worked at the veterans, uh, Department of Veterans Affairs for the VA. And I was in the finance department. But there one time I was asked to come down to one of the wards. And I saw a 25-year-old guy who went to the war. And there was a shot that was shot. And it went through this guy's head. 
and it affected his brain. And this guy was laying down like a vegetable. And I said, what is wrong with this person? And was told, he's a quadriplegic. Quadriplegic means that every part of his body does not respond. Hallelujah. Every part of his body does not respond. So now it gives me, when I'm speaking on this subject, it makes me to understand or put it in context what a quadriplegic is. Hallelujah. So Bible says, if you read Mark chapter 2, Bible says there, were, um, there was a man who was paralyzed. In the name of terms, he's a quadriplegic. He does not move any part of his body. And Bible says this man was laid down and was, uh, there was a gathering in the place. And the gathering in that place, it was so full that nobody could come in. Nobody could come in. But listen, there were four people who decided to pick this man. And that is what the intercessors do. They did, that does not mean that these people do not have a problem. Because there's nobody under the sun who does not have a problem. The Bible says these four people decided that we are going to do something about it. Intercessor, what an intercessor does is you don't focus on yourself, but you focus on the need of others. And these people decided that, listen, even though the room was full, they decided to go extra mile. An intercessor, even though the earth may be against you, you decide to go extra mile. It may not be convenient for you, but you decide that, listen, I will go against the odds to make sure that somebody is saved. Bible says they encountered the, the, the place. The crowd was full. And when the whole place was full, they decided to do something else. Bible says these people decided that, listen, we are going to climb the building. Not only climb the building, but we are going to take the roof off. Not if in America, today's time, for somebody to climb your building, you can call the cops and say that this man has invaded my privacy. Hallelujah. This man has invaded my privacy. Not only that, but they decided to rip the roof off. Imagine you are in a place and somebody decides to rip your roof off. What would you do? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please talk to me. I like conversation. Don't let me feel like I'm alone. Hallelujah. Bible says they decide to rip the roof. And ripping the roof they dropped a the man. Now the question here is this. How do you go and pick somebody on your shoulder to climb a building? How do you do that? You are carrying the person because listen, the least mistake the person can fall. The least mistake the person will do what? Can fall. And when the person falls, the, the damage or the demise that you cause that person will be worse. So you, should have, you could have said that, listen, looking at the dangers, how can four people carry somebody in the state of equilibrium at the same time carry the person back? 
Making sure that we are doing it on the same road. Which we intercessors as we put our minds together. What we have to do is we have to be a like mind. I'll prove it in John chapter 17. We have to be of like mind. If we are going to carry one another, we have to be on the same level. You cannot, one person cannot be beneath. One person cannot be above. One person cannot be distracted. One person, all of us have to go in same. Bible says this four people decided that we are going to carry this man. Hallelujah. We are going to carry this man and drop him before Christ. And Bible says, when Jesus saw them coming, Jesus said, see the faith of those people. Which means as an intercessor, I should begin to intercede for somebody. Your faith also speaks. Your faith speaks. Do you have faith enough to carry somebody else? Do you have faith enough to carry somebody else? If your faith is strong enough to carry somebody else, you're looking at what is going on in your life. But you say, I am going to carry the person anyway because I have faith enough to carry myself and to carry the person. And that's what intercessors do. So now we come to John chapter 17. Verse 20. Jesus saw the need. John chapter 17 says, My prayer is not for them alone. Now, Jesus is speaking. And he says, My prayer is not for them alone. Which was for what? And when you read other versions, it's talking about the disciples. But I pray also for who will believe through me by the message. Which means that he wasn't only praying that the people or the disciples will not only exemplify Christ, but is praying that anyone who believes the message from the disciples. And that is what has brought you and I here. So now, when Christ was praying, Christ was praying that not only should I carry the disciples, but I also want to make sure that anyone who went the disciples should receive the message. Those people, I also pray for them. Hallelujah. I also pray for them. Beloved of God, Christ has prayed for you. Christ has done what? Had prayed for you. And that is why you are here. Because why? If Christ had not prayed for you, you and I would not be here. So he says, my prayer is for them that as they receive their message, who is he talking about? He's talking about the disciples. But also in the way of the disciples, he was also involving or implicating you and I in the message. Hallelujah. That's what? They all of them may be what? One. He was praying that all of them, you and I, may be what? May be one. Because why? If we are no one in the things of God, we cannot go anywhere. Beloved of God, before we can be a strong intercessor, we must be one. We must be what? One. After Christ had prayed for you, you and you have a part. You and I have a part to play. If this place is going to be filled up, if we can move 
Manchester for God, we must be what? One. Hallelujah. We must be what? One. But first, you must what? Believe in him. You must believe in him. Do you believe in Christ for yourself? The message that has been presented to you, do you receive? Have you received the message? And if you have received the message, how are you exhibiting it? Hallelujah. And it says what? That they may all be one. When you read Psalm 133 verse 1, we, we, we quote the scripture always. Psalm 133 verse 1, it says, Oh, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to do what? To dwell together in unity. What is he talking about? He's portraying the sign of what? Oneness. For he says what? How good? That is the song of David. Oh, how good and pleasant it is for God's people to dwell together in what? Unity. Now verse 2. Let's go to verse 2. Look at how he demonstrated this. Verse 2. Verse 2, please. It is like a precious pure oil. Hallelujah. Now, when we talk about the precious oil, what is the precious oil? The precious oil symbolizes the anointing of God. Somebody may say, oh, you are off. I'll prove it to you. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. Bible says when the people were together in what? One place. One place. Bible says the anointing of God flooded into the room. Hallelujah. So now when the psalmist was saying this in, in Psalm 133 verse 1, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that runs. Because why? From the head of Aaron, that was a symbol of the high priest. And who is the high priest in our days? The high priest is Christ. He says, in that unity, the Lord would commands his blessing. In that unity, the Lord commands his blessing. So when Jesus was taught praying this prayer, he realized that before they can walk in my blessing, the way they can showcase my blessing, they must be one. Beloved of God, the only way we can be strong intercessors in this land is what? We must have one strong voice. We must have what? One strong voice. And that was what was demonstrated in the book of Mark. Bible says they were together. The four men were together. And they had what? One common agenda. And that is what Christ has prayed for us. That we will all be what? One. Are we divided? Intercessors, are we divided? Are we divided? Or are we together? Hallelujah. Are we together? Or are we divided? It's just like somebody sitting on a motorcycle, a couple sitting on a motorcycle, negotiating a turn. If you are negotiating a turn, what happens is, you have to make sure that all of you, you go same. 
Right? If one person's head goes here and the other person's head comes here, what happens? Oh, talk to me. Talk to me. Oh, talk to me. There'll be disaster. Before you can negotiate the turn, if everyone goes this way, because you are turning this way, what happens? You could see that everybody, this, the turn is what? Smooth. In the same way as in intercessors, what we have to do is we must have one mind. And it applies in the home. It applies in the home. It applies everywhere. Hallelujah. It applies everywhere. And that is why Christ was praying so the importance of unity. If our prayer will be heard and will be of value, we must be what? One. There must be unity among his people. Beloved of God, Christ has prayed that prayer for you and I. But you, it's left for you and I to do our part. Hallelujah. He says what? That they will all be what? One. He did not end there. But he says what? They will be one. Just like me and you are one. Christ was not praying vain words. But he was also, his life was a replica of the things that he was saying. Hallelujah. Me just like me and you are one. Beloved of God, Christ has demonstrated that to you and I. John chapter 17, verse 20. Down. Hallelujah. Just as me and you are one. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. I happened to fellowship in a Jewish synagogue for like one and a half years. And there is something they believe. That is the prayer they pray every time. Don't look at me some way. <laughs> And there is a prayer they pray, man of God. They pray Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. Let's have it on the board. This is one of the, uh, the profession that they make when they begin their prayer. And I'll also quote it to us. We also say the same thing, but in a different context. It says, hear all Israel, the Lord our God is what? One. Which means they have to understand that they cannot serve any other God. There is no duplicity of God anywhere, but there is only one God. So now when Christ was saying it in John chapter 17, he wanted to understand that, listen, there is no division in me. We are one. Hallelujah. We are one. Now, let me show you to you whilst we also say it. 
Philippians chapter 2, 10 to 11. We say this every time. Philippians chapter 2. Let's all read it together. Let's all read it together, please. We say that, right? At the mention of the name Jesus, every knee should do what? Bow. Aha. Every what? Every tongue should, should what? Confess. Why? What are you confessing? You are confessing the unity of Christ. So when Christ was saying this, he was telling them that let them all be one. Just like you are or I am with you. And not only that, he goes on to say in John chapter 17, uh, John chapter 17 verse uh, this thing, 21, he says, just like I in you. You understand? Which means that Christ was not only saying that we are one, but I in you and you and me in them. Beloved of God, if you are a carrier of God on this earth, you are not just walking by yourself, but you are carrying God in you. And that is what Christ wanted the people to understand, that they don't only carry me in them, but because I am in Christ myself. in Christ myself and Christ is in me beloved of God you are not alone you are not alone Christ is in you just like the youth says Christ in me the hope of what glory it says what? I am in them. But first, I am in you. Let them see that we are not only united, but I am in you, and you are in me, and I'm also what? Lived in them. So if Christ is in you, you cannot look down upon yourself. You can never say that my prayer will never be answered. Because you have Christ enough in you that you can profess anything and it shall happen. As long as it's in line with God. Sometimes we pray, pray, God, make me rich enough so that I can show the person that those are no prayers because Christ is not in that prayer. Somebody was saying one time, that God, let me get visa or let me get my, my uh, residence so that I'll go to Ghana and put that brother of mine in jail. That will never happen. Those are not intercessory prayers. Those are vain words. Hallelujah. Those are what? Say it. Oh, say it. Oh, say it. Oh, say it. I'll discharge you for it. Oh, say it. Please say it. Those are vain words. We said that intercessory prayer is not about you. 
do you have Christ enough? If you are Christ enough in you, you know what happens? There is a burning in your heart. There is a yearning in your heart. All you are doing is you are saying that God let things change. Let things change. Hallelujah. 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 He's making us, this is the prayer that Christ prayed for all of us as believers. And glory be to God when he was praying this prayer. You and I were not even born. But you fell into purpose. You and I fell into purpose. So if that purpose has been manifested or has been revealed in your life, why don't you walk in that purpose? Hallelujah. 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 Let's deviate a little bit. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. 10 to 18. We'll be done in a few minutes. Trust me. We'll be done in a few minutes. If for the sake of for the sake of notes, if you are saying, if you're writing your notes, the first point was that they will believe in me through their message. The first point was that they will believe in me through their message. The second point that all of them will be one. That all of them, second point, will be one. That all of them will be what? One. The third point. Just as you are in me and I in you. Hallelujah. Just as you are in me and I in you. But now let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, 10 to 18. Let's look at something over there. Ephesians chapter 2, 10 to 18. It says, let's read it together, please. For we are God's what? Handiwork. Created in what? Christ. To do what? To do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Hallelujah. Now, Christ is making us to... Uh, this is Apostle Paul who was speaking. And he was, he was speaking to the Ephesians church. He was making the Ephesians church understand that... Listen, you are not just an ordinary person. But you are God's workmanship. God has taken time to design you. You are somebody that God has thought of. To what? Design. And then he says what? He has created you to do what? Good work. Intercessor, you were created to do a good work. Not any bad work. Hallelujah. You were created to do what? Talk to yourself and say, I am created to do good work. Oh, say it like you mean it. I am created to do good work. Which God prepared in what? In advance. He does, he did that, everything. Listen, I, I, listen, sometimes if you were born in America, sometimes you don't understand. You are in Ghana. And sometimes you wait for your monthly check. And you get it. And by the time you get your monthly check, it's already finished. There's somebody, there's something they call advanced what? Oh. oh yeah. There's something they call advanced check. That one, you do petty cash. And then they will send, they will deduct it for your monthly pay. 
So that when that time comes, when the end of the month, they deduct it. So you, since you know that they've already deducted it and you don't have enough, by the time the month is ending, you've applied for a second one. But Jesus has taken his time. He didn't want you to owe anything. You and I to owe anything. He's done, he's made that provision for you in advance. Before you were even born, the advance work had been done for you and I. All you have to do is walk into it, step into it, because what? The provision has been made for you. Apostle Paul was saying that, listen, that work has been created, and since that work has been created, all they have to understand is, they have to understand destiny, they have to understand purpose, and walk into it, because listen, so nobody should coerce you into it, you are already in it, and all that you have to do is, you find yourself in place, and walk in it. 11. 11, please. 2.11. Therefore, therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles. You understand? Now he's trying to let you know, trace your grassroots. You were formerly what? Gentiles. You and I, before we came to Christ, we were what? Worldly people. Hallelujah. But he says what? You were once Gentile, called. You were Gentiles by what? Beth. And called uncircumcised by those themselves who were circumcised. He was talking about the Jews. Uh -huh. Let's go ahead. Remember that at that time, you were separated from Christ. What excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreign to the covenant of the promise without hope, without God in the world. Hallelujah. But now, this is the good news. But now, in Christ Jesus. By now, in Christ Jesus. Say by now. But now, in Christ Jesus, you were once were far off. But you are brought near. You are brought near. Beloved of God, you are brought near. You are brought near. You are brought near. So when Jesus was praying this prayer, listen, if you look into this prayer, it all makes sense in John chapter 17. Because every time Jesus was praying, what he does was, he goes to a quiet place by himself. Check. Everywhere Jesus was going at that time praying, he goes to a quiet place by himself and prays. But this time when he was praying this prayer, he decided that I will let them understand. So now other versions are saying that this scripture is called the Holy of Holies prayer because now Christ was trying to unveil what he wants them to understand to them. So he says what? I have brought you what? Near. You have been what? But brought near by what? The blood of Christ. It is the blood of Christ that brought you and I near. 14, please. For he himself, our peace, who has made the two groups, who has made what? The two groups. Now, other verses says he's made the groups of the Gentile and what? The Jews together. 
His word. He's broken that wall. Other verses says the wall has been broken. The wall of hostility, which means that when we did not accept Christ, the world did not what accept us. The Jews did not accept us. So there was hostility. There was animosity. That there was. The, that's why they were calling them dogs. But because of Christ, we have been brought near, and hostility has been done what done away with. Let's go ahead, please. Fifteen. By standing aside, by setting, as, uh, setting aside in his flesh the laws, it commands and regulations. His purpose was to create himself one, one word, humanity, out of what? Two. To make peace. He was creating one humanity, which means there's no distinction between us and the, and the Jews. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. But one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. When Christ went to the cross, he made sure that one of the work things he did for you was to make sure that he put to death. He nailed hostility, discrimination, segregation. He nailed everything on the cross. So today, if anybody discriminates against you in Christ, know that that has been nailed on the cross. It's been nailed on the cross. Who knew? It's not only for your sin, but discrimination was laid on the cross, was nailed on the cross. Hostility was nailed on the cross. Uh Aha. And what? He came and preached peace to you who were far away. Peace to those who were near. Uh 18. For through him, listen, through him, let's read it together. Through him, we both have what? Access. Through him, through him, we both have what? Access to one father. By one word, spirit. Beloved of God, you are not a byword. You are not a byword. I repeat, you are not a byword. You are somebody that Christ cherished. He broke every barrier just for you. And you know what? Let's end with this. The fourth point. And then let's go to uh, the verse 22. We'll not take time. We cannot exhaust the scripture today. Another time we'll continue. Or maybe if you have time, continue. 17 verse 22. He says what? 17 verse 22, please. Thank you, sir. 17 verse 22. 22. I have given them, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Beloved of God, Christ has given you his glory from God. He has given you his glory. He has given you his glory. Hallelujah. 
Christ has given you what? His glory. So Jesus was well only praying that, but he says what? I have given them the glory that you gave me. Why do you need the glory? You want me to prove it to you? Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 16 verse 1 and 2. And we can also let's turn to Romans chapter 8, 29 to 30. Isaiah, it says what? Let's go to, uh, let's go to verse, Isaiah chapter 60. Let's, uh, let's, I, I want the other versions. Aha, this is what I know. Hallelujah. It says, arise, shine, for the light is what? Come. Isaiah was speaking it. It says, for the glory of the Lord is risen. So when Jesus is saying, I've given them the glory, he's saying that the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. But he says what? See, darkness covers over the earth. Thick darkness over the people. But the glory of the Lord rises upon them. Hallelujah. So what? The what the glory of the Lord makes is when even there is darkness because of the radiance of God, what happens is you are still separated. So when Jesus said, I have given them the glory, he was telling them that even though hardship will come, but the glory brings a what? A distinction. The glory, that's what? Brings a distinction. Hallelujah. The glory, that's what? Brings a clear distinction. Beloved of God, you have the glory of God enough in you to overcome anything that comes your way. Last scripture, Romans chapter 8, 29. Aha. Uh-huh. Let's read it together, please. For those God for you, he what? He predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. Aha. Uh-huh. That he might be what? The firstborn among the brothers and what? The sisters. So which means that we may not say only it's for the brothers. No. But sisters too. Aha. Uh-huh. Then he says, then verse 30. And for those he predestined, he called... Hallelujah. For those he predestined, he called. For those he called, he justified. For those he justified, he does what? He glorified. Stand to your feet, please. Hallelujah. For those he called, he justifies. For those he called, he justifies. God has given you his glory. God has given you his glory. Today you are not just an ordinary person. Christ has prayed for you. Christ has prayed for you. Jesus, 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 